Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we've got Clay Bundy up there on the Arizona Strip of Clay Bundy Outfitters. I'm super excited to talk to Clay this year because it's a wet year. Clay, how you doing? Really, really good. Thank you. Appreciate you uh, inviting me on the show. For sure. Um, I remember last year when we did our podcast, you still held uh, a bit of optimism. I think you're an optimist. That's, that's the kind of guy you are. Um, but then as the season progressed and his antler configuration and kind of as everything moved forward, last year proved to be a fairly tough year on the Arizona Strip, did it not? Yes, it did. It, it was tough. Um, the, the deer just didn't get to the, their potential, but uh, we got we got lucky and blessed and was able to really kill some good deer. But for the most part, yes, it was it was tough. So. Yeah. So Clay, um, and speak right into the speaker if you can. It was kind of fuzzing out there, but uh, this year, um, what is different? What are you seeing? What are conditions like? What is moisture like? What What's the scoop out there? Well, it's raining right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good sign. Yeah. So I, you know, I've I check rain gauges for the the BLM a, a few of them, and then I've set up my own rain gauge right there at uh, my house, so I can read every storm that hits. And uh, I checked it yesterday, and I would, from Saturday to there, there were 6,100s fell. So for the month of May, we're at an inch and 5,500s for the month of May. It doesn't rain in May usually here. Um, I, I was just going to say, put that in perspective. Very okay. rarely does it rain in May, correct? I mean, very rarely. Correct. And I was talking to uh, a fellow rancher out there, who who T.J. Akin, who owns most of the strip there. In uh, his, he has kept really good records. His family, it 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 was back in 1978 is when it's last time it rained as much as it has right now in May. Unreal. That's how good it is, uh, and it started. You know, it started uh, at the first of the year, and it's just been uh, raining ever since. You know, one of the things that cowboys always say, well, if we could just get another rain in a couple of weeks would be, you know, think how good it would be, and that's what it's done. I mean, it's every, almost every week it's stormed uh, somewhere, and it's not it's not just some isolated, isolated place. It is widespread on the strip uh, from... To the south end of B to the north end, I was over working on the the Kayabab, uh two days ago, and it, it's so wet over there, and the the feed is just incredible over there. It it just you know you hate to I hate to say I've never seen it like this because it's you know everybody says that, uh, but. When you're headed up from here, from St. George, out towards uh, top of Quail, I'm sure you're familiar with that. There's that ooze plot. 
I call them ooze, but people call them Spanish daggers. Uh, every one of those uh, ooze had eight to ten blossoms in it. It just, Jeez. It, it, you just can't believe it. And now the, the cliff rose is, uh, is blooming and flowers. I mean, it, it, it just almost hard to describe how phenomenal it is. So, and Clay, so, coming off of a year like last year where conditions were tough out there, but correct me if I'm wrong, about October, you know, well, for the archery hunt on the strip, so after, after antlers were already, you know, they were done. Yeah. Didn't, didn't the strip get moisture kind of late, you know, yeah. during the archery season and then through the fall? And so didn't they actually go into the winter? It, it, you know, the feed conditions, didn't it actually do pretty good? Yes. In fact, I got some data right here. From July to September, there were six inches of, of moisture fell. Then October to December, there was about three inches of moisture fell. And then from, and see, I'm, I don't, I'm missing a month, January, because I put my, this new gauge up in, uh, in February, so I think there's more, but since from February till now, there's, Four and seventy nine hundreds. Uh, so no. you're 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 talking uh, fourteen inches of rain. <laughs> you know, that's on unreal. A, on a place that you know had a nine to ten inch average. You know. Um, okay, so so let me ask you a couple questions about that. So antler configuration, antler growth was not. Uh, up to par last year. There were a lot of bucks that definitely were smaller last year than the year before. You, there's a lot of deer, and we we can talk about all this. But there was a lot of deer that they did not get shot. There was a lot of young deer that are now a year older. There was a lot of deer that, you know, five year old, six year old deer that are now you know six, seven year old deer. When you throw this kind of moisture condition on these animals did you notice the deer dropping their antlers at the same time early late are you noticing deer you know already sprouting and already growing you know are do they seem early do they seem late do they seem exactly right on talk a little bit about you know pretty good fall moisture conditions and it just kept getting better and better what what are we looking at as far as antler growing right now well um, going back to your first question, I didn't notice them losing their their antlers any earlier. I think it's right; it was just about normal. Uh, and I seen uh, they started growing about the same time. I, as a young person, I remember seeing them. You know, uh, mid April, first of April, they start uh, start growing their velvet. You know, we we seen some bucks a week ago that they're well out past their ears. Uh, I think it's just, uh, so I don't know that the, the moisture is going to make them grow, uh, start any sooner, but 
but I, I, but what they're going to pack on because of the moisture and the, the nutrients that are in the, in their feed is just, these deer should be at their, their, their best potential that they've ever, ever will be. I mean, and yeah, age class, but I, I've seen uh, three-year-old deer that on a, on a year like this, that can be, can scare you to death, you know, can be 200 plus deer. And, and then you, you get a, a buck with some age class that's, that gets this kind of moisture and, and it, it should be exciting. And there's, you know, you're right. There, there was, um, there was a lot of deer that from 17 that we thought were going to be giant and 18 that didn't, that, that weren't, and they didn't get killed. And so there's going to be some deer at the right age to be big, big. And so, uh, I mean, it's just exciting to think about the possibilities. I mean, there could be some deer that we don't, we don't even really know that could just be big. Blow up. Yeah. So I, I know you pretty well, and I know you're not one to really get the cart before the horse and, and, and get too far out in front of yourself, but I hear the excitement in your voice, and I hear... I mean, do you truly feel like, you know, you've been out there for, how, how long have you been out there, 50 years? Yeah. Out on the strip? Well, I, just, I just turned 60 uh, a few weeks ago. So. <laughs> okay, so let's, let's, call you, let's call it, you know, 15 years old. Let's call it 45 years of, yep. of, you know, you've been out there before them. But, I mean, since you were 15, pounding around looking at deer, I mean, without trying to get too far out in front of ourselves, with everything you've seen, I mean, are you thinking that this could be one of the best years you've ever seen yourself out on the Arizona Strip? I believe it, it is for, for feed. Now, you know, and if that can equate then to big deer, I mean, you know, you still got to go back to 2010 when it was so incredible out there. But I don't, believe it was as good a year for moisture then well i know it wasn't then as it is now um back then there was a bunch of uh deer that had a lot of age class to them you know but i think that i still think this is uh as good a year as i've ever ever seen really is okay let's talk about on a moisture year like this do you notice the bucks, you know, when feed is readily available and they've got everything they want to eat, do you notice on wet years them in certain areas eating certain vegetation? Is it any different than any normal year? I mean, do you, do you see them in this early season when they're growing their antlers? You know, here we are in May. I mean, are they doing anything different on a wet year that you would say, man, last year we didn't see any deer, you know, over here? Or, or you know, are they eating a, something in particular that you can say, yeah, in wet years they really lay into the cliff rows or they, you know, something like that? Yeah. Well, I've, I've noticed that the deer this year have, uh, you see them, 
in in the low, really uh, not low elevation, but like out in the flats, out in uh, just a few cedars. Uh, you know, there was a lot of deer that really were down in the the winter country, and they're still down there because there's so much feed. Uh, they haven't really started migrating yet because of the they're so so green and and lush down there. Um, but they have, you know, we we seen some bucks that are, you know, congregating already and uh, kind of back in their same normal places. But uh, really, right now, you can find deer anywhere because there's no. Uh, they don't have to be by water right now. I, I mean, cameras. If you had a camera up right now, it really wouldn't do you any good. You know, they're just, uh, they're scattered. And and if it keeps raining, they're going to they're gonna continue to be scattered, which is, I think, is good for them because then they're going to be uh, not bunched up where predators can get them as much. And uh, it's just good all the way around. On years like this, uh, you know, when you have wet conditions, you you bring up the fact that, you know, they've got water everywhere. We all know that June is going to hit. It's going to get hot. It always does. Uh, normally, from about May 15th till about July 1st, when the first monsoon rains hit, normally isn't kind of the end of May the beginning and all the way kind of to the third, almost into the final week of June. Isn't that typically like the driest part of the year? Give us a little education. Yeah, for sure. In fact, June uh, on the Strip, you know, if you get, uh, there's usually, usually hardly, you usually don't even get a storm unless it's right at the end of June when, and then monsoons come just a little bit early. I mean, there's, uh, you just don't get it. And so, yeah, it will dry out and the deer will start hitting water and, and, uh, bunch up. The bucks will continue to bunch up. And, uh, lost my train of thought, but, um, it's okay that, so, when clay, you know, right now you said you just saw some bucks and they're, you know, just kind of out to their ears. Typically, when in June or when in July can you really start going, you know, that's that buck and that's the other buck and this is, when can you really start saying, you know, that's that buck over at so-and-so or when, when can you really start identifying bucks that you've watched for years? What, what time frame? When is that? I would say uh, the beginning of July, you know, they're, they can be grown out enough where you can tell, you know, whether usually identify the deer and maybe a little sooner, but for me it seems like that's when I really start knowing what deer is what. Do you think years like this where it's wetter, way wetter than normal and one of the better years and, you know, 50, 60 years, I mean, is this the type of year when you see extra points sprouting? Is this the you know is this the type of conditions when you see 
you know, more masks than ever. You know, what should people be expecting and what are you expecting uh, from some of these bucks that you know very well? I mean, what, what are you thinking is going to happen? I'm hoping for a, a 20, 30 inch jump in inches. Uh, they just, you know, they're, I, I, I found a little shed the other day, a little four pointers last year's buck that had just little bumps for uh, where, uh, where it looked like it was going to grow some kickers and then a little inline kicker. And, and I, I just foresee that buck having uh, those grown out to be two or three inch kickers, and I mean that little buck could just be a two hundred inch deer, and he was probably a one one sixty last year. Nobody just had a really good frame, and he, he you know, that's what I'm expecting. I really think it's going to happen that. Uh, their extras, their mass, everything is just, all that nutrients just goes to those antlers. And uh, they're, I think they're just going to be the best, best they can be this year. That's awesome. Let's talk about the units uh, 13A and 13B specifically. Let's start with 13A. Um, seems like the last couple of years, 13A has kind of been, you know, quote-unquote down. Obviously, last year, everything was down. But what do you think about 13A this year on a great year? And maybe potentially, and correct me if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, let me have it. But potentially a couple years of, you know, some of the older age class deer getting killed and just nothing super exciting out there. Then you throw good feed conditions. I mean, do you? Do you think 13A can really jump up on and, and uh, surprise people this year? Yes, I do. You know, I was thinking about it a little bit today. You know, there's quite a few of those A deer that summer up there and do really well up there in the summer. And then they bail off into B for the rut. Well, the feed's going to be so good, and this is just a little theory I'm just thinking about. You know, they may not uh, leave, may not migrate off there quite as soon, and A might be might surprise you. Uh, yeah. And then there's 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 some big deer there that that will uh, that re will really. Uh, I mean, there's I can think about ten bucks that are pretty big deer last year that are going to be super this year plus you've got the up-and-comers that are going to be uh coming on and i'm i'm putting in b as my first choice and a as my second choice I, I'm, it, I'm not as scared of it all it's good choice it, okay I'd love to. Okay, that's that. what I was kind of shooting for. Yeah, I've got 18 points, and, you know, last year, last couple of years, I've just done B, one choice, and it's, you know, I, I definitely, you know, from what you're saying, 13A could be good. Now, 13A is also the second hunt. 13B goes first, 13A goes second. 
those pretty late dates, I mean, they could be rutting like crazy, couldn't they? I mean, A could be really good this year. Yes. And, you know, I think the deer, when they're, if we continue to have moisture and stuff, they're going to, they're going to rut sooner, you know, because yeah. of, uh, I mean, that's what cows do when they're in better shape. They just come in sooner and, and that's, that's the same with deer. And so it's, uh, it could be phenomenal with the rut. And that's why 2010 was so great is because those does rutted sooner and, and, uh, Anyway, that's something to think about. Clay, uh, wasn't there like 15 or 17 bucks in 2010 in A that went over 220? Yes. Am I, okay. I, I, I didn't know if my numbers were exact, but I knew there was a bunch of bucks in A over 220, and it just seemed like everybody was shooting big deer in A. And, it, it you know, I'm an outsider, but it seems like 2010 put a, put a dent in in a for a while um did it not i mean as far as a bunch of upper end bucks got shot yeah definitely did and and but then since then i mean yeah there's been some big deer killed there but not like that and so the age class is coming back and uh it this year could be the year i mean it's like that um uh, the and his, I forgot the name of that buck. He was a three-year-old buck, uh, and he was giant. You know what I mean? Uh, so there could be a there could be a a giant buck show up this year on a. Speaking about A and speaking about the archery hunt, uh, on that archery hunt, I believe there's only 15 tags on the archery hunt. Um, obviously, you said that, you know, there's big deer on A. This year's a great year on A. Um, but the deer are going to be spread out. Uh, from an A and B perspective on both archery hunts, both units, um, it does make it a little more difficult when those deer are spread out, but on the other hand, from an archer standpoint, maybe people won't be jammed on top of each other quite as much. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, I like everything spread out, but it still could be in uh, in September when the bow hunt is, uh, it could be hot. You know, and those deer could be uh, hitting water hard, and and so it could be congested again. I mean, that's just kind of the nature of the strip because everybody is after the biggest deer, and so it can always be congested. But I mean, what it what it's going to do to help that though is there's going to be more bigger deer throughout the whole unit and so I think you'll be able to find a, a place that's not as congested and, and have a chance at a big deer because there is going to be more big deer this year because of the moisture yeah didn't last year right before the archery hunt or maybe right during the beginning of it I mean you guys just got like pounded with rain 
and it made that archery hunt difficult. I had Brian Rims on the podcast, uh, and he was hunting with your nephew, Breck Bundy, uh, and Brian credits uh, you and Talon uh, for, you know, pointing that buck out and, and, and really dialing him in on that buck. Um, what a beautiful buck that was. Talk a little bit about that. Well, so Breck is, is, is a cousin. He's not a nephew. But cousin. We, what, okay. we, what we do is uh, with MDA is we, we share cameras with each other to make it so we can cover more area. And so he would have... Uh, I mean, he shared bucks with us, and we shared bucks with him. And and so it works out really good for us. I mean, we're both honest with each other, and, and it works out great. I mean, that buck, my nephew, Talon, is the one who ran the cameras and found that deer and, and had a lot of uh, good information on it. And, you know, Brian did talk to Talon even during the hunt. You know, when we were hunting another buck, but we, I mean, it, it, it's fun to help other people too, you know, and so we try to be as honest as we can with each other, and and uh, I think it works out. Yeah, for sure. It was just an awesome buck, and, you know, on a tough year, you know, Brian's a good friend, and for him to get just such an awesome buck, it was really, really neat um, how that worked out. All right, let's talk about B, and you've already said there's there's more deer in B. Um, is there just more habitat and more area for deer than A, I, I'm meaning, you know, just from head to toe habitat, and there's just more habitat in B, and that's why there's more deer in B? Yes, for sure. You know, like jump to A, probably half of A is, flat antelope country uh, where B there is you know some big flats but they're just from tip to tip I mean you can you can find a, a deer anywhere on B uh, and uh, and then a lot of deer do come off in the winter off, off A into B and so it's it's just uh, that you hit it on the nail. It's just more habitat, and the deer can be anywhere, and so it gives you a chance to uh, find a big deer, basically anywhere. Where where a, you know, they're more congregated because of the habitat only in certain areas. When you look at the season dates. Uh, for B, November 8th through November 17th, and then A is November 15th through the 24th, so they overlap a little bit. Um, on a, You mentioned rutting and, and good conditions, deer rutting early. Um, you, you know, does would it surprise you if November 8th on the opener in B, if there were big bucks? you know, out looking for does, or would you say that, man, it's probably going to be a little early, but definitely towards the last, you know, five, six days of the bee hunt, there, there'll be, you know, big bucks actively seeking does? Yes, yeah, sir. 
they'll they'll be staging. They'll be getting uh, where they need to be, and uh, I would say if you can find a herd herd of does, that there's going to be a buck close, even if maybe he's not with them right then, because uh, they just they just uh, know where to be, and the does also go to the bucks. And uh, so I think actually those dates are not that bad uh, at the end of the hunt, end of that bee hunt. You're going to be right. It's going to be perfect, I think, too, you know, if you can hold out to that end. Yeah. So, um, Clay, your house, um, you, you have property there and you have a house there by the old schoolhouse, correct? Um, yes. Talk a little bit about the proximity of that, and you know which unit that is in, and are you able to stay there and hunt both A and B from basically that headquarters? Yes. Yeah, so, if you follow the the dividing line from uh, from A and B from the Utah line, it follows the Hurricane Rim and goes to where that dies out, and then the road comes off of there down to the schoolhouse well our our house is right you know 200 yards off that road it's set on b but we have private property on both a and b and run cows both on a and b uh so we do uh we stay at the house uh and can hunt both units right out of the house, and it's phenomenal. We've got, uh, you know, we've got running water. We've got uh, shower at night. You know, you it it's just we got solar panels and electricity and fridge and stove and so, it, and it's a pretty nice little place. And it's uh, it's really been a blessing for us to have, you know. And a lot of people think, well, we'd only hunt right there close, but we really don't. We, uh, if there's a big deer clear at the other end of the unit, we'll drive there. And, uh, and it's really, you know, a lot of the outfitters kind of uh, try to stay in the middle of the unit so they can go either way. Well, we're from that main turnoff to go to Parashant, we're about 10 minutes. So, you know, we can go either way just as easy as anybody, and and we did, we do, and it we killed some big deer that way. Clay, talk about the history of that schoolhouse. Um, you know, did you go to that schoolhouse? Did your dad? Did your grandfather? Talk a little bit about that area specifically, right there, from a historical perspective, and you know. I'm just curious, curious the history on that. You bet. So my family came there in 1916, and they, uh, there was a young kids, and so they, they built a, a building, and it's called the schoolhouse, but it was really, I think, built originally as a church house. And uh, so... When I was there, you know, my dad went to school there, 
I went to school there, but we also went to church there. So it was a church on Sunday and schoolhouse during the week. And, you know, we had, uh, there was dances and, you know, back in the heyday, a little bit before my time, there was, there was quite a few different people that lived out there, not just Bundy's and, and the schoolhouse was where everybody came to, uh, do anything to vote, to, uh, have dances to parties, church. So, and also my mother, uh, when I was before I started school, she taught out there, uh, and so it's kind of a kind of a it's it's just uh, it's a landmark, oh. you know. Yeah. So yeah. So. Weren't you telling me that a while back there was some vandalism at the schoolhouse, um, but since then things have been repaired and, and fixed up? Talk a little bit about that. Okay, so, yeah, there was two guys that uh, thought they ought to burn it down, and they burned it down. Uh, well, oh before goodness. that, wait, before that, it was in really bad disorder and it was falling apart, and so... I was kind of over committee that we uh, we fixed it up. We put new windows in it, put a new hardwood floor, and just made it exactly like it was. And uh, and then then these guys burned it down. Uh. But I had I had all the information from from uh, when I restored it before, all, and I still have all the drawings and everything. And so we got together as a community and family and and also the the BLM and, and we uh, we rebuilt this one. And so this is actually a replica of the of the old one. But it's the exact same dimensions. Um, the old one had a stove in it right in the center, a pot belly stove, but we didn't put that back in it. But other than that, it's, everything's the same. And, you know, my, as we we go out there to, uh, to the ranch, you know, if you have grandkids, it's always a race to see who gets to see the schoolhouse the hmm. first. And it, it's just a fun thing, and I'm glad it's sure. still there. Yeah, I am too. That's, that's great. I'm glad you guys rebuilt it. I'm glad you built it exactly the same. That's pretty darn neat. Um Back when your family first started out there, was it cattle or was it sheep? Were they grazing cattle or sheep at the time or both? Well, they, my grandfather uh, was a farmer, and they tried dry farming. And they were able to do it for a, probably 20 years. 15, 20 years, and it had to be years like this back then that enabled them to do it. In fact, they, they, they raised wheat and uh, had corn and, you know, all kinds of vegetables. But when we lived out there, there was an old granary behind the house that had still had some wheat that, in it that we, we fed to our chickens that was there 
that my grandfather had grown, you know, probably 20 years earlier uh, out there when they were dry farming. But that, uh, it, it stopped, you know, it had to have stopped raining as much. And then they went to, uh, they did, they did try sheep. Uh, they had pigs out there and then, then everything kind of went to cattle. And, uh, so we've been doing cattle, you know, since my dad took over the place when I was just a baby, uh, we've just been cattle. Nice. Speaking of cattle, they probably uh, feel like they've died and gone to heaven right now. Yeah. They, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they they are. They're really looking good. Uh, it, it's just fun to see how fast they can turn from, you know, basically skin and bones when they're not much to eat to they can turn their body their body into fat pretty quick and it's just do you notice uh on a year like this you know good a, a much better calf crop uh a yield uh you know as far as more calves more cows you know having calves or do you when you have cows that, you know, go a year and they don't have a calf, do you immediately get rid of that cow? Or do you do you notice that on wet years that, you know, cow that might have missed last year or something, she you know, she might she might definitely have a calf on a on a wet year? Well, it goes back nine months, so see, so nine months ago it was dry. And so we we have we have some a few dry cows that didn't bull up last uh, fall or not last fall, last summer. Uh, but looking forward in the future, next calf, next year's calf crop will, will be the phenomenal one. Uh, yeah. And I've seen that with deer, too. You know, if you have a really good spring, four years from, there, from then, you're going to have some giant bucks because you're going to have four-year-old bucks. So those those deer will, will uh, have uh, twins. There's going to be a big fawn crop this year. Uh, so so you definitely see you know they rut really well, and then they they end up having so next next year those those does will be having you'll expect to see a lot of twins. Well, I no, I say. This year, you know the the deer bred up, but this year they're going to have they're going to have twins, and they're going to be able to raise them because there's a lot of feed, so they can give enough milk to raise two two, uh, two fawns. Where on a dry year, a lot of times one of those fawns will die. Gotcha. I get it. And so, so what you're saying is, four years from now, you're expecting a, a pretty good crop of bucks because it'll, it'll there'll be more of them. Yes. Okay. I've seen that. Hey, I want to. Yeah, that's that's good information. Uh, I want to take just a quick second here to thank the sponsors of the podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com. My friend Cody Nelson of twenty plus years is the optics manager. I call him the glassing guru. He's there at GoHunt.com. He's the optics manager. 
If you listeners have any optical needs at all, if you're looking for spotting scopes, tripods, rifle scopes, uh, anything to do with glassing, give Cody a call at 702-847-8747. That's extension 2. Or you can email him at optics at gohunt.com. Cody has promised me, and it's about every day that I get a message from a listener how Cody took care of him on the optics department. So make sure to reach out to Cody. I want to thank him for their sponsorship. Uh, I want to thank Kuyu. That's K-U-I-U.com, Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. Uh, Kuyu makes the gear that I wear on all my hunts. Uh, make sure to check them out at kuiu.com. Uh, also, Canyon Coolers, based right out of Flagstaff, Arizona. If you use the JScott19 promo code, you're going to get a 10% discount on all orders. Phonescope.com. Uh, if you use the JScott19 promo code, you're going to get a 10% discount on all Phonescope orders. And then onxmaps.com, use the JScott19 promo code to get 20% off uh, all orders. So, Clay, we've got just an unbelievable year coming up. Um, I can tell you're optimistic about uh, the upcoming year. Um, let's, let's talk, let's just play hypothetical for a second. Um, in your opinion, do you think on A or B, someone someone will shoot a deer over 250 inches? Yes. Okay. In your opinion, <laughs> yes, that's isn't that crazy order, to though. say? You, yes. You <laughs> I mean, it's like, holy cow, 250. Yeah. Um, you think there could potentially be multiple deer killed over 250? Yeah, I, I'm not going to say a whole slew of them, but there, there'll be a couple. I really believe that. couple. You know, Good. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then as far as 200-inch bucks, I mean, you're talking about bucks that, you know, you you never even knew existed. In other words, you weren't even paying attention to that, you know, could be three years old, could be a 200-inch buck this year. Yes. Like just bucks I, I, out of the woodwork that you've never even paid attention to, you don't even know about, will all of a sudden show up. Yes, they will. They will. When when people are looking at applying for these units, um, whether it be the archery hunt or the rifle hunt, um, obviously the strip is a big area. Talk a little bit about, obviously, you're, you, you know, you've been a guide and outfitter up there forever. But talk to the listener out there that's thinking about applying for the strip and they've been thinking about applying. In your opinion, obviously it is a biased opinion because you are a guide and an outfitter, as am I. Um, yeah. why, why do you feel that it's important that people really consider using a guide when hunting 13A and 13B? Well... Most people, you know, even from Ari people who live in Arizona, they're they're eight ten hour drive to get here to scout it. Where we're here scouting the whole time, uh, and then you know we've talked about deer that we know of from the past, where we know where to go, start looking, uh, where. If you've just drawn, you probably 
someone, whoever it is, hasn't drawn for 20 years. You know what I mean? And so right. they probably haven't been up here. And so it's just, <laughs> it's, uh, I, I don't think you can go wrong. I mean, it's, it's, it's money and it's a lot of money, but it's, uh, it is, if you draw this tag on a year like this, it's like you won the lottery. And so you want to do everything you can to uh, better your odds at uh, getting that big deer you want. And I, I don't know the, what the numbers would be, but I, I, I'm almost positive it's, it's high that you kill a better deer with a guide than, than not on the strip. Yeah. Uh, so I just think do everything you can this year to get to draw a tag, whether it's archery or rifle, do everything you can to draw because it's, you know, if you've been buying points this time, put in it, this is a year. And then, um, I mean, there's some, there's some good guides up here and, and, and in, in our case, you know, if you have a guide, if you, if we guide you, you're going to be staying in a nice place. And yep. when if, if it's snowing or cold or miserable, you got a bed to sleep in. You know, <laughs> and a shower. <laughs> and, a, and a warm talk, shower. Talk about the vastness. I mean, people are listening to this podcast, and there'll be people that draw in the random pool that put in with, you know, four points or two points or zero points or six, and they'll draw the tags. But give the listeners an idea from north to south to east to west, like 50, 60 miles. Like, what are we talking about from landmass? Uh, you know, the times I've been up there, I've just been blown away at how far from one end of the strip to the other, it, you know, from, from the top of B to the bottom of B, from, you know, talk about that mile-wise. So from the Utah border till the end of Kelly Point, it's got to be, it's, it's got to be 80, 90 miles. <laughs> okay, and then from from the Hurricane Rim to the Nevada border, it's probably 40, 35 to 40 miles. And, wow. And there's, and you can hunt any, I mean, it's, there, there's a big deer anywhere in there. But... <laughs> I mean, he can be found anywhere. Is what I'm saying, not not that they're right. running everywhere. I mean, you know how right. it is. It's it it it's the most discouraging. You can go place for miles and not see deer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it but when when it happens, it can be magical. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now, last year, even though it was tough, you guys actually did pretty darn good um, on, on those hunts. Talk a little bit about last year's hunts. Well, again, you know, we stayed at the house. We hunted, you know, probably an hour drive from the house. Uh, and we we just were able, they were all deer that we had, we had scouted, knew they were there and targeted. And, and we had people that could shoot, you know. And that's, that's kind of, yeah. that's pretty important too. And so, uh, you know, the way we do it, do it is the first, you know, we have uh, hunters 
and then we have guide and we have spotters and people helping and by the end of the hunt you know that last buck we had 10 12 guys looking for the, this buck you know and and helping and so yeah. you know everybody just wants to stay and help and so it's uh you know that that that's the reason for my success is i've got really good help and uh and they just love big deer and love to be out hunting them and the strip the strip is a place that it just grows on you and, and uh it's just a magical place really boy you couldn't set it any better um We've talked a lot about deer. Obviously, the bighorn sheep clay uh, is a big part of what you do as well. Um, talk about the units that you like for sheep up there uh, on the strip. Uh, talk a little bit about each one, or if, if, there's, if there's only one, just talk about uh, sheep uh, so people that are considering applying for those units um, can hear a little bit about it from your, from your mouth. Okay, so... The 13B North is about the only one that uh, non-residents can put in for because there's, they, I think they give three to four tags. Where the 13B South is only one tag. It's a very, very hard hunt. Bees, uh, quite a bit easier. 13B North is a lot, quite a bit easier because the freeway kind of goes cuts through it, and there's a lot better access. Uh, then you have uh, uh, 13A. Uh, it's it's a it's a good unit too, but they don't I don't think they give enough tags for uh, for a non-resident. Non yeah, there's just one tag in there. Yeah, so B I think is the best in my opinion. I mean, there's as far as being able to to draw a tag and and uh, easier access. Yeah, and what do you see as far as uh, 13B North? Um, I mean, do you think it's holding its own? Do you think it's declining in quality of rams? Do you think it's you think it's going up? Where is it trending? Well, last year was pretty tough. Uh, there was basically only one pretty good ram in there, and he he got killed. But uh, that I, that we seen. Um, so. I, over the years, I've hunted it quite a bit, and it's been quite a bit better. Uh, but it's just like uh, for deer. I mean, you have a year like this, a sheep's going to put in, put on a young sheep's going to put on, could put on three inches of yeah of new growth. Don't you think? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, for so, sure. The young rams, for sure, on on years like this, can you know blow up. So I'm I'm optimistic about it, uh, and it and deer or, or sheep can kind of elude you there and not be seen there too. So I think there's going to be some decent rams there this year. Two more questions, and then I'll let you go. I've got a question about the wild. I hear that there's like wild hogs of some sort. I don't know if they're Russian boars. I, I don't know exactly, but. Fill me in on that, and then the second thing is, I hear that there's some elk up there on the strip. Fill me in on what's going on with both of those. Okay, the they are Russian boars that come out of uh, out of the ski area, Mesquite, Nevada. There was a 
place called Arvada Ranch that had exotics. They got free, and anyway, they there is some pigs that you can just go. You don't have to have a license. You don't even have to have an Arizona hunting license. You can just go hunt them. There, there's not a lot of them. There's certain areas that have them, and if anybody wants to call me, I'll sure tell them where they are. They're at. <laughs> uh, and and it's not that I I don't really to me they don't bother me that, that they're there at all I mean I've I've went and killed killed a bunch of them they're they're fun to hunt and it's a good place good way to get out and see the country but and as far as elk there is a there is a few elk that are starting to show up uh, there's uh, and the fishing game's trying to uh, eliminate them in 13 A and B which I am happy for because not that I don't like elk, but elk and deer don't really compete that well and where these two units are arguably the best places in the world to kill a big mule deer. We don't we don't need that competition. And so you can uh, buy a tag over the counter to hunt any elk in 13A and B and I think on the Kayabab also. So, Do you uh, get them on your cameras periodically, the elk? Yes, and there's, yeah, I do. There's a. How, how many do you think there is? Uh, there could be, there could be uh, 15 to 20. Okay. And, and they're, they're trying to do their best to, to, to get rid of them if they can? Yeah. Okay, and then I guess one more question. The the Rio Grande turkey, um, they transplanted Rio Grande turkeys up there on the strip. Do you know how they are doing? I've seen a pretty good herd of them uh, this winter up, up on A, uh, and I've seen a, a lone hen just the other, a week ago, right here at the top of Quell going out. It's by herself. Uh, I don't know what she was doing, but there is a few more turkeys than there has been for a few years. They kind of they kind of go up and down pretty easy with the drought and stuff. What I've noticed. Yeah, and I mean, isn't there? Correct me if I'm wrong, but is there also some Merriam's turkeys out there on B, or are they all Rio Grands, or do you know? You know, I do not know that. Okay. I, I I saw some on, I, I know there's some up there on Black Rock, um, but I think those are the Rio Grands, right? Yeah, I think so too. Okay. Okay, well, probably the next time we talk is going to be hopefully right before the hunt, and you can uh, tell us how excited you really are then when yeah when all the when you've got all the photos and data in front of you and you'll be able to confirm it's as good as you think it's going to be but it's it's fun for me to hear a guy like yourself who you know lives and breathes the strip just you know your family's there your heritage your tradition everything you know that's just that's you know a part of you and to you know let you have a year like this where a guy like you, you know, you deserve a year like this is the way I look at it. It's, you know, these years don't come around very often and, and it's fun and I'm excited for you. 
I'm excited for, you know, all your guides and your family and everybody because I know this is, you know, it's 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 part of you guys, and um, it's going to be exciting to see uh, all the, the, the pictures and all the deer. I love following your Instagram, uh, and I encourage the listeners out there. I'm going to link it up in the show notes, but I encourage to follow Clay's Instagram. He, he has a phenomenal feed, uh, big giant deer. Uh, Clay, it's always great talking to you, a genuine person. Uh, you know, you just, uh, you know, I've met you in person and I've had you on the podcast a bunch and it's always great, um, you know, talking to a guy like yourself and I just uh, wish the people out there that are applying for these deer hunts, I uh, just wish everybody the best of success on a year like this and to hear it right from Clay's mouth of how good he thinks it's going to be, it's just exciting so, um, buddy, uh, I want to give you a chance to let people know how they can get a hold of you, uh, and then any other, if you have any concluding thoughts or anything, uh, but definitely let the listeners know how they can get a hold of you, and I'll link it up in the show notes as well. Okay, thank you. Um, you can call me at uh, 435-680-2991, or on Instagram, Instagram at Clay Bundy Outfitters. Um, we just uh, we just love big mule deer, and and that's why because of that love, that's why we're so excited about this year uh, being so good, and and because it's so good, these deer can be at their best potential. You know, a lot of times some deer get killed, and you think, gosh, dang it, I wish wished it was a good deer. Well. This year, that buck should be at his very best, even better than he possibly could be. Uh, and so it's just so exciting, and uh, would love to uh, help anybody who draws a tag. And, Jay, I appreciate the kind words you give and, and the help that you've given us. Well, it's... Uh very well deserved. You're a good man, and I look forward to seeing your success. And uh, God bless you, buddy. Um, yeah, I'm just excited for you. It's going to be a great summer. Uh, I'll try and keep in touch with you and uh, just keep up the great work. And uh, we're all excited to see how you guys uh, do this fall. So until I talk to you next time, buddy, God bless, okay? Thank you. Same to you. All right. Bye. All right, buddy.